0: This week on the Judge John Hodgman podcast, Nature versus Nerdure," Alex and Christina are a married couple and are academics who both have pursued admittedly somewhat nerdy careers. They're happy with their lot in life, but they disagree on how to handle potential nerdiness in their future children. Should they be allowed to geek out at academic summer camps, or should they be forced to socialize at camps that focus on... Regular camp stuff, like canoeing and capture the flag. Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the
1: courtroom. Uh, Excuse me, ladies. You may remember me as the judge who judged a fake car talk case last week with underwear on my head. My name is John Hodgman from Brookline, Massachusetts. State bird. The mosquito. As you may have heard, I am... Recently, a crowned Class B dungeon judge. So if any of you would like to play dungeons and judging today, uh, please speak now or forever hold your peace. Jesse, swear them in.
0: Alex, Christina, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever?
2: Yes, I totally do.
3: Yes, I do.
0: Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he summers in a submarine at the bottom of the sea?
3: Yes. Yes.
0: Very well. Judge
1: Hodgman? Technically, it is an octopus's garden, Jesse. <laughs> that, I, that I observed through my giant submarine plate glass window while playing the pipe organ. Thank you very much for swearing yourselves in. Uh, what are your names, Alex and... Christina, is that correct? Yes, yes, that's right. All right. Now, as you know, uh, I'll offer a quick summary judgment to the first person to name the piece of culture that I referenced in my opening monologue. Mm, I got nothing on that one, John.
3: <laughs> I have no idea.
1: Really? Okay. Oh, I know. I know you. I know you know, nerd. <laughs> Uh, Wait, have ba- we just
3: been out nerded?
1: <laughs> Bailiff, well, I think it actually speaks to a big issue here about what nerdism is because Jesse is a comedy nerd and it sounds like you guys are math and science nerds. Um, Jesse, comedy nerd, Bailiff Jesse, uh, what was the reference?
0: Oh, that was uh, Sam Levine as the radio announcer in What Hot American Summer.
1: Very close, Jesse, but not quite cigar worthy. <laughs> That was actually Gabriel Millman playing the caped boy in Wet Hot American Summer. Sam Levine, Ah. of course, was never on camera. Well, no, he was on camera. Excuse me. Or was he? No, I don't think he was on camera. Mm -hmm. I think he did the voice, though. Didn't he do the voice for that? He did. He did do the voice. Hang on a second. We got to go down this nerd rat hole.
0: He is uncredited (laughs) as the voice of Artie.
1: Right. Uncredited as the voice of Artie. But there is a character playing Artie, is there not? I mean, Artie is. There's on a kid. Some There's a kid
0: playing Artie. Yeah, but it's, but, he, but not... he turns away from the camera when he's t- when he says that, and it's Sam Levine's voice.
1: Okay, gotcha. Now I now I understand. Boy, that's a good one for a pub quiz. <clears throat> yeah, in the future, absolutely. A nerd pub quiz. Jesse, which is your favorite scene and what? Oh, guys, sorry, I forgot all about you. Alex and Christina, hello. Uh, oh, okay, so uh, the case is being brought by Alex, right? Uh, yes. Okay, so what's your, what's your position, sir?
2: Well, so Christina and I were discussing our heretofore hypothetical children, um, and we're discussing what would happen to them when they reached kind of early teen, teenage life. Uh, and Christina suggested that because uh, they might be nerds being raised by us, we should send them away to sports camp so they can learn normal social skills with normal people who um, aren't raised by two raging nerds. Um, and I completely disagree with this, tenant. Um I think that uh, because they will be raised by nerds, they really need kind of more remedial social skill training. And we should then send, send them off to, you know, nerd camp where they can be surrounded by other nerds and um, can kind of learn social skills slowly at a natural pace. And be, you know, middle of the ladder nerds versus bottom of the ladder sports geeks.
1: Well, now, wait a minute. You do not have children currently? No, we have no children. You know that I do not rule on hypothetical cases.
2: I know that all of your cases are deeply grounded, in fact, yes.
1: No. no I'm, you, you're making light of this, but I don't rule on hypothetical cases because there's nothing oh. at stake. You guys, I mean, I don't need you guys to prove that you're nerds because you're already thinking about what your kids are going to do in young teen years. But mm. this is, the, there is no real stake. I need for you guys to either give up this case or make an agreement now here in court that you will have one or more children within three years. Wow. <laughs> otherwise there's no point all
2: right. barring technical
1: difficulties okay. i assume can we can we can we agree to that right away now uh, no. all right yeah sure just, you know sure. what just feel just feel yeah. that i'm not asking you to conceive a child right now okay that's true well, is reasonable.
3: that would be difficult
1: we are in different cities right now so that would take
2: some work or at least yeah. some high fedex bills
1: why do you not why do you not live together
2: uh, we do, but we have not. So we uh, lived in different cities for the first four years of our marriage. Which two uh, cities? Uh, San Francisco and D.C. Uh, or San Francisco or D.C. and New York.
1: And why? Professional reasons? Yes. What do you, what do, you do for a living, Alex?
2: Uh, I was a grad student at Stanford and uh, Jamelia Farm in D.C., and now I'm a postdoc at Cold Spring Harbor outside New York.
1: In what field? What kind of nerd are you?
2: Uh, neuroscience. Mm-hmm. I used to work on fruit flies, and now I work on mice.
1: Moving up. Moving up. Larger.
3: Bigger and better.
1: Strangely, they both have the same size brain. Uh, That's actually true. I know. That's why I said it. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, Christina, what kind of nerd are you?
3: I am an assistant professor at Rutgers in um, geophysics.
1: Okay. Geophysics nerd.
3: Yes, a geophysics nerd.
1: Earthquake nerd.
3: No earthquakes, near surface geophysics. So I look at the top 100 meters of the earth using um, remote methods. Like awesome. um, I basically take MRIs of the earth.
1: And what are you, what, what are you discovering? Mole men?
3: I'm looking for water. Okay. And monitoring contaminant remediation.
1: So you're some kind of fancy pants dowser with a degree? I get it. Exactly. Yes, yes. I have a <laughs> dowsing rod, a really large dowsing rod. Do you really? Yes. Do you believe in dowsing? Does that have any scientific uh, uh, basis?
3: Well, when I send electronic pulses into the subsurface and measure water back, I believe in that kind of dowsing, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about witchy dowsing. No, a, no,
3: no, a br- not the take stick a with two prongs.
1: Take a, take a branch of you and walk over and you, you have a feeling. Does that, does that have any scientific basis at all?
3: Um, I don't think so.
1: So you're both science nerds, neuroscience and Cold Spring Harbor. You're, you're developing Monsters as a secret governmental facility in Cold Spring Harbor, New York. Yes. And Christy, you are, you are searching for uh, magical water underneath the ground. Is that correct? Yes. All right, very well.
3: Yes, Christina, actually.
1: What, I'm sorry, what did I say? Christy. I apologize. Sorry. So Christy, why don't you want your kids to go to nerd camp?
3: <laughs> um, well, as Alex said, um, I think we have enough nerd in the both of us for one child. I want this child to grow up to be, you know, both a nice person um someone who is interested in the academics and someone who is also interested in sports. So when they by the time they finish high school, I want this child to have every opportunity available to them. So if whatever they want to do, I want them to be able to go out and do that.
1: Yeah, that sounds reasonable. You want them to be a nice person and also be interested in sports. Yes. Because those two things don't normally go together. You want them to be you want them to develop <laughs> uh, <laughs> Both both in niceness and in the other field of liking sports
3: well, I uh, no, I think that's what Alex thinks actually, is that you can't be nice and be in sports, but I think there are lots of nice people who are also good at sports your background
1: your background, you would say is more well rounded than Alex's. You have more sports background than would you say uh, Alex does
3: mm. um yes, I have more sports background than Alex does, but Alex did grow up well rounded he He went to high school in India.
1: Oh, sure. There are no nerds in India, that's for sure. That's true. What does well-rounded mean to you? Obviously, it means knowing something about science, knowing something about sports, and being raised in India.
3: (laughs) Well, and being able to talk to lots of people with varied interests.
1: I see. And are you concerned that Alex does not have those skills currently?
3: Um, No, Alex is really good at talking.
1: So where do you you get this uh, terrible anti-nerd bigotry that you think that they can't speak to other people? What is the source of your anxiety about this?
3: I want them... It's not that I think that nerds can't speak to other people in lots of fields, but I want my children to be comfortable doing that. And I think that a lot of nerds that I grew up with, Mm -hmm. that was more of a learned skill for them than something they were just naturally comfortable doing.
1: And these were uh, these were people in your school or in your family. These nerds. people in my school. These, okay, Alex, what's wrong with uh, what's wrong with Christina's uh, point of view?
2: I think it is. Uh, I, I think there's a telling comment in, in the idea that uh, these social skills are learned, uh, and I think that you know kids when they're growing up do learn social skills from the people around them. And I just feel like when, you know, you go to sports camp, and I briefly went to one sports camp, I feel like the, the social skills I was learning had much more to do with kind of bullying and hazing and generally being a jerk than the social skills I learned at nerd camp, which had more to do with just kind of being like excited and interested in everything that everyone around you was doing all right. the time.
1: Enthusiasm, uh, curiosity, collaboration.
2: Right, right. Whereas at stereotypical sports camp i feel like the skills you learn have more to do with kind of competition and uh adherence to the pecking order
1: so wait a minute so did you go to a sports camp that is to say a a camp dedicated to a specific sport or did you go, go to a generic archery swimming and humiliating other people camp
2: so when I, when I was really young, I went to kind of like your typical YMCA outdoors camp for a while. And I don't really remember that. Maybe that was critical for my development, but I don't have strong memories from it. Um, what I do remember are two camps or that maybe, I went or maybe,
1: I was, you, or maybe you fell off the rope. Uh, that is possible. You fell off and blacked yeah. out and you have no memory of yeah. it. Yeah. Stayed underwater too long or something like that. Yeah. Or, or maybe during some uh, post-hypnotic hazing, you were made to forget the whole thing. and you just wonder, That's true. You just wonder why you had the letters YMCA branded across your genitals.
2: Oh, that would be uncomfortable. Um, I don't have a segue for that, but I can go back to what I was saying earlier.
1: You, it's not your job to provide segways. It's your job to answer your questions.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, Your Honor. Uh, so the, when I was uh, 11 or so, I went to a soccer camp uh, at the college that is near, near where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the sports camp I went to that I don't think I enjoyed at all um, and kind of found it very pecking order uh Dominate and, and kind of sport, And what
1: sport was that camp dedicated to? Soccer. No, no, I understand it was a soccer camp. But did you also play a sport at this camp?
2: Oh yes. Sorry, we played English football.
1: Oh, I see. I still, I still don't understand. But go on. All so, right. fair, so, fair so, so, you know, you know, because as, as I have said, uh, it's hard to call soccer a sport when it is basically one ball running. away from the ancient non-sport of fast running back and forth. You were at this soccer this soccer camp, and you didn't like it because why? Um,
2: I just didn't enjoy myself. I, I felt like I was constantly like trying to sort out my place in the pecking order versus having fun and being interested in the people around me. Okay. Uh, but then after that, I went to a nerd camp for several years, and I had a great time at the nerd camp um, and both learned a lot and really liked everybody around me and felt like you know I was getting – cert- I don't know if I had this perspective at the time, but certainly now I feel like I, I learned what social skills I have – through interacting with people that I found kind of fundamentally interesting versus just people that I knew were kind of higher on the pecking order than I was.
1: And so what were the best skills that you learned at nerd camp?
2: Uh, I would say lounging around in a field all afternoon, doing nothing, talking about whatever came to mind. Sure. Um, Playing in mud puddles. Um, And at one point I remember playing Calvin ball. So that might count.
1: So those three things. Lounging lounging mud puddles and then playing the made up sport of Calvin ball. For those of you who are so sad to have not ever read Calvin and Hobbes, is a sport played by a lonely, possibly psychotic child. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh,
2: Yes, Your Honor, I can see that
1: point. (laughs) In which the, in in which the, which he plays with the delusion of a tiger. That he has in his mind, yes, In, yes. Which, the, in which the rules, uh, in which the rules change with every play, in order yes. to favor only him. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, it is essentially, it is essentially the uh, a, a, a definition of uh, of uh, psychopathy. Yes. Until he was medicated and started doing his homework. <laughs> yes, that's right. And then they, and then they burned, <laughs> and they burned that uh, that stuffed tiger. No. And they made it, and they made a, a movie out of it called "The Velveteen Rabbit." Anyway. <laughs> uh, all right, so you are you know what? I'm, I, I now feel very comfortable ruling on this case, even though you are hypothetical parents, but because you are already thinking like parents in a very deep and real way, in the sense that you are already using your children uh, to try to) <laughs> correct the errors that you have made in your own life. Uh, Okay. Christina, what kind of camp do you want to send this child to Then, Do you have one in mind?
3: Um, Well, I want to send them to a normal camp, not a specific sports focused camp, but a camp where they learn to canoe and learn outdoor skills and go hiking and um, run away from bears, that kind of camp.
1: I see. Uh, Normal is what you mean to say.
3: Normal camp, A normal camp,
1: as opposed to an abnormal camp.
3: As opposed to an abnormal camp, or a a subject-specific camp.
1: But wouldn't that also be a soccer camp?
3: I'm confused by your question.
1: Well, would a soccer camp, a subject-specific camp such as soccer, be considered an abnormal camp by you?
3: I, well, I don't mind sending my kids to a soccer camp. Uh, The camp that I want to send them to is, would be an outdoor camp.
1: Okay. So what is a normal camp?
3: Normal camp would be somewhere where they learn how to canoe, where they learn how to identify trees or, and go on hikes where they sleep in cabins with other people, their own age where they do some sort of arts and crafts as well. And where at night they sit around a fire and sing camp songs.
1: So essentially a camp in the movies.
3: A camp in the movies, right. yes.
1: A, 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 a typical wilderness camp. Yes. Right. But do you see what I'm getting at here? You call this a normal camp. And here's where, I, here's where my yeah. hackles honestly get raised. Yes. Because as much fun as I'll make of soccer, you know, I do not make fun of athletes. And I think sports are, are something that people really like sometimes. It's not my mm-hmm. cup of tea, but I recognize that it is a passion for other people, and I believe that people should be able to enjoy their passions and take part in their passions, even if they are my own nerdy children. You know, I have, I have uh, two human children whom I refer mm-hmm. to solely as Hajmina and Hajmanilla to protect their privacy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and I am not a sportsman, you may be surprised to hear, um, <laughs> as you listen to me wheeze asthmatically into the microphone. <laughs> but they, uh, they wanted to undertake uh, a game called uh, baseball and softball, respectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, after one year of this, my son, um, well, you know, I encouraged my son to do it in order to um, not feel... Uh, stigmatized uh, at school because I knew that a lot of his little friends knew and cared a lot about baseball. And I could see a situation where even though I don't care about baseball, he might begin to wonder why he is the only person who is able to name the 11 doctors who, and yet does not know anything about, (laughs) about how to play baseball. So when he became interested in baseball, I encouraged it, I think out of the same impulse that, that you wish to encourage your hypothetical child. Right, mm-hmm. To allow them to be well-rounded, uh, as you say, and, mm-hmm. and socialized in the world that surrounds them, and not feel stigmatized, at right. least give them that that uh, that experience. And then um, I fully expected by the end of season one of uh, of Pee Wee Baseball that my son would have been completely traumatized out of it, and then we could just enjoy mm-hmm. reading comic books together again for the rest of our lives and that he would never grow up or leave me <laughs> Right. but as a, as a matter of fact even though even though he is visibly bored by the game mm-hmm. and, uh and and uh, uh even though it frustrates him to no end he to my chagrin does like it and therefore <laughs> as annoying as it is for me to take him to the practices and the games as it might be i think for a normal father If their child, basically, you know, if as a a normal father might feel, if their child uh, took an interest in, um, you know, settlers of Catan, and had to and and had to go to settlers of Catan practice every Friday afternoon and every Saturday morning had a game um, that Mm -hmm. was for some reason played outside in the hot sun. Uh, Nonetheless, I endure it because it is my job as a father to allow my children to explore their own interests. And it's my own stupid fault for exposing him to this thing that I have no affinity for and don't particularly like myself that much, but it is my obligation to let him explore that. So that is all fine. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. I have nothing, you know, in the, in the nerd jock culture war, which I, is something that I observe every day in my life and think about every day in my life. I have no problem with sports per se. The jockism that I dislike is the philosophy that sports obsessions are normal and everything else is abnormal. So when you say, I'd like my kid to be well-rounded and to have a chance to explore other things and especially to um, to be socialized and be forced into situations where they have to deal with other kids and learn how to do that, I am with you 100%. When you say, I don't think a single subject camp is really what I want for my child, um, I say, I'm with you 100%. But when you say, a single subject camp um, about sports counts as normal, but a single subject camp, say about, I don't know what, geophysics, would it, be abnormal. <laughs> there, I take that plot. would be abnormal. I, I think. I think. But what if your child? But what if your child, God forbid, takes after her mother and wants and wants to be a geophysicist and wants to go to wants to go to geology camp, wants to go to rock camp. <laughs> Is that is that abnormal? Normal. I think that's a very highly charged term that I think you ought to it's, think about.
3: No, no, it's true. I think I think that I misspoke in using the word normal, and I no, didn't realize I think it was you, such a controversial word. What not, I really meant was that I want our kids to go to stereotypical camp. What you think of when you think of a stereotypical camp? Sure. I, I, I don't mind just in the same way,
1: just in the same way, many hypothetical parents want and many, unfortunately, many actual parents want their children to have a stereotypically happy childhood. That is to say, the childhood that you imagine for them from what you see in the movies or on television. Yes. You know, the the kind of camp that you describe is very uh, is an anomaly historically. That emerges out of a out of a very middle upper class nineteenth late nineteenth century at the earliest uh, summering tradition, and it's only yes. it's only you know in the twentieth century, the twenty first century, and then a very sort of narrow profile of human beings uh, who had that kind of experience of going to a northeastern or uh, or uh, western uh, or midwestern style lake. And canoeing around on it and shooting things and making s'mores and having color wars. (laughs) And then, you know, casually torturing people in the woods. Uh, Various hazing activities.
3: Uh, Well, without the hazing and the torturing, Um, that's the kind of camp I went to.
1: (laughs) I know. there's. I don't know how much hazing there is aside from the typical teenage cruelty to one another. Where did you go to camp? It sounds lovely.
3: I went to. I grew up in Canada, so I went to camp just outside of Vancouver.
1: Oh, well, see, I bet it was beautiful, right?
3: It was beautiful, and we canoed, and we walked around in the woods, and we learned to name ferns, and we made s'mores.
1: Like what? Name, what kind of names did you give to the ferns? Like Alan and Carl and Bob? Bob. Yeah, yeah. Like what kind Bob, of? What, no, seriously. Fred. What kind of different ferns did you did you name?
3: Oh, gosh, um, you, you're asking. We learned deer ferns. Mm-hmm. We learned sword ferns.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, licorice ferns?
1: Whoa!
3: I can't remember. This was a while ago, and there's not very many different fern types. No, I like.
1: Ever. I like it. It's it's clearly something that is that has uh, that has affected your life <laughs> and affected your view of the world. And I think that that's wonderful that you're able to retain your knowledge of sword ferns and licorice ferns. That's awesome. And I can also see why you, are, you, too, are more than a hypothetical parent. Because while your husband is attempting to repair his life choices by forcing his children <laughs> to do something else, you are attempting to relive your childhood through your children that don't even exist yet. Do you feel intimidated by the fact that you might have a, a, a male or two male children, and they have, you have a special obligation to make sure that they are masculine and that maybe sending them off to neuroscience camp with your nerd husband or whatever is going to, uh, to, to, demasculate them in some way, emasculate them in some way.
3: No, no. I think I would have as strong opinions if I thought we were going to have girls.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So would you send your children to this camp in Vancouver that you went to? Does it still exist or did it clo- <laughs> close with a, under a, under the cloud of a scandal?
3: Yes, I would. In fact. All right.
1: Uh, now, uh, Alex, do you have a camp in mind to send to your to uh, send your two male children to?
3: Yeah,
2: I liked the camp that I went to, although it has a terrible name.
1: What is it? Um, the you can the buzz, name you was can Buzz Market. Your camps. It's I can cool. buzz market my camps. Yeah, okay. it's it's uh, summertime. I'm sure enrollment is closed. You're talking about <laughs> Camp Wheezy Fat, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> camp Wheezy Fat, not so smart. Yes. <laughs>
1: camp lounge around
2: yes yes camp coloring book um, camp no the camp, that I, the camp that I went to actually had yeah, a worse name than camp. all of these which was the, the center for talented youth
1: <laughs> not that you're not talented <laughs> I know I kind of talked it up there I'm sorry <laughs> Not that you're clearly a talented dude, but I just love the ideas of these guys coming up with this camp film. Let's call it the center for talented youth. Yeah. That'll, that'll, that'll make that'll, kids that'll, popular. That will no, I mean it's like that'll that'll steal some parents' money. <laughs> yeah, that, that let's is call true. it the center for very special children. <laughs> let's, call it, let's call it the special camp for the best kids.
2: Yeah, the, best, the the better than your neighbors can yeah, for whose, boys. Whose parents,
1: whose parents don't want them to fail in life. Uh, so you went for the Center for Talented Youth?
2: Yes, okay. yes. Um, and despite its terrible name, I had a really good time.
1: And what, and, uh, and, and what did you do there? Did you so, let, me, let me ask you what you didn't okay. do. Did you canoe?
2: I did not canoe.
1: Did you identify ferns? Uh, no. Do you know what a licorice fern is, sir?
2: No, although I bet I could tell by taste.
1: Did you sleep in cabins?
2: No. We slept on college dorms.
1: And which college?
2: Uh, Hamilton College, Skidmore College, and there was another one that I can't remember.
1: Okay. And did you do archery? No. Did you, uh, did you have color wars with the, with the other nerd camp across the lake? Nope. No, nope. we were the by only camp in town. By color wars, I do not mean race wars. You understand that? Right? Oh. <laughs> no,
2: no, we had neither kind of color
1: war. Let me ask you this question Did you have any campfires? Nope. Did you have any sing alongs?
2: Uh, there was a talent show at one point.
1: Oh, really? Did the center, did the, did the youths who go for the center, talented youth, feel comfortable showing off their individual skills to each other? Was that uh, really? Yeah, okay.
2: but, but it's mostly like, look at what a good violinist I am, et Yes, cetera. that's so.
1: right. Did you guys do magic tricks? Did you show off your individual skills for each other?
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm sure someone did do magic tricks. But
1: did you sing along with each other?
2: No. In kind of a uh, cathartic way, no.
1: Did you, did you at least do any sort of hippie, uh, new game, trust-building exercises with each other?
2: Uh, not aside
1: from Calvin Ball. Okay, <laughs> okay was there any was there any organized uh activities whatsoever or did you just sort of no there ma- were make your, were. make your, make your own were. make your own little uh, uh lead figurine painting clubs and,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. and no, Ursula, no, there was
1: Ursula K. Le Guin discussion groups and that sort of thing
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I I think after we got done doing, uh, you know, computer science for 13 year olds in the morning, Mm -hmm. there was an afternoon activity period where people could and did play sports, et cetera, et cetera, um, or Mm -hmm. do music or whatever they wanted to. Uh,
1: All voluntary.
2: Yes, all voluntary um, and rotating. So you, you weren't stuck doing one thing.
1: And you would feel comfortable sending your two male children to this camp?
2: Yes, I feel like they would. We could raise them with our even our rudimentary social skills to be king of Nerd Camp.
1: Okay, I think I have all the information I need to make my decision. I'm going. Uh, I'm going to go into my tent chambers and sit and sit at my camp desk and uh, and uh, make my decision. I'm going to light a little kerosene lantern and uh, drink a little bug juice and make my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman
0: exits the courtroom. How are you feeling about your chances in the case, Alex?
2: Um, I, you know, John, John's exit there makes me a little nervous because he referenced many of the tropes of um, sports camps and outdoors camps and none of the tropes of nerd camp. Uh, and so I feel like that's a little hint as to what, what he's going to judge. So I don't feel great about it, honestly.
0: Christina, how are you feeling?
3: Nervous. Nervous. <laughs>
0: Why is that? Tell me why.
3: Well, well, I, I'm just, I, we're going to have to stand by whatever he decides. And um, this is a big decision that's going to change our hypothetical children's life.
0: Well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say about this. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom.
1: Uh, I, uh, I, I feel this tension very keenly, as you can tell, because um, uh, like both of you, uh, I am a parent, with the slight difference that I am an actual parent <laughs> of actual human beings. And you know, I feel very keen. I feel this, and I'm also a nerd. And I feel very keenly um, this this uh, this debate, because indeed uh, I have such a um, uh, a knee jerk, uh, as you as you've heard, my knee jerking uh, reaction, negative reaction. To anything that smacks of sports, normal, other pastimes abnormal. Um, I feel like that that's an incredibly destructive force in our society. Uh, that is that is uh, myopic on the point of sports to uh, suggest that uh, that uh, having that, that enjoying sports, even with the incredible hyperbolic passion uh, that a, a nerd might enjoy uh, comic books. Is somehow normal, whereas interest in math or science or comedy or uh, or music or whatever else, uh, with the exact same sort of single-minded passion, is somehow uh, unwholesome and weird. That, that to me is a is a false division. Um, and anyone who any nerd who looked at it with scientific uh, distance would appreciate <laughs> that there is that there is no reason for it. So when you said, Christina that you wanted your kid to go to a normal camp that that bothered me. And then when mm-hmm. you said I didn't mean normal I meant stereotypical that bothered me even more. Because the reality is that when you have these hypothetical children and they and they gradually um become uh real and solid and actual and will and start taking up uh 3D space which by the way guys is how babies are made. Uh when you have these babies <laughs> Uh, you will realize that um, you cannot uh, repair your own psyche by forcing choices onto them that you wish you had made yourself, nor can you um, become young again by forcing your children to relive the things that you enjoyed the most uh, in your life, such as the naming of ferns. All you can do (laughs) is is to give them tools that will allow them to better live in the world, and to be attentive to the things that they are interested in whether you like those things or not and give them access to those things to the best of your ability and then hope for the best and so here's the thing you'll be surprised given what i just said that i find in the favor of christina What? yes that's right nerd eat it Because, because, I'm so hopeful. Because here's why: while both are parental sins, replicating happiness versus repairing <laughs> repairing error, you know, the less malignant is replicating happiness. Now, to be fair, I mean, clearly, Alex, you are also attempting to replicate happiness, and mm-hmm. that your camp experience, the when you when you got past the trauma of soccer your camp experience that you found playing um, psychotic child ball uh, was, was happy for you. And I get that you're looking for the same thing. And, mm. right, uh, the, other, the other aspect of it, though, is this. Um, and, I, and I certainly reject the idea that Christina's camp is normal. Um, but as someone who grew up going to uh, nerd camps, gifted child uh, uh, gifted child uh, programs. Sorry, I'm losing my mind. But like nerdy camps. I went to a, a concert camp. I went to a gifted child program one summer. I took extra classes during the summer. And then I also went to one of these so-called normal camps with the, uh, the archery and the mosquitoes and the riflery and the, and the fear for one's very life and all that stuff. You know, it was traumatic when I went to it, but the, but the fact is it's far more memorable to me. I dealt with this uh, secret shame for a long time. And what I realized, and I didn't realize until literally two years ago, when I was thinking about how great it would be to be able to raise children without any expectation of sports of any kind. And then my friend David Reese and I were talking about sports one time, and, um, and he was like, the thing about people who have played sports that always impresses me is that they are not afraid of conflict. Because they have rehearsed Mm. conflict in their lives, you know, throughout their lives over and over and over again in a kind of ritualized conflict called games. And they appreciate that conflict is something that happens, um, that you can get the better of or the worst of, and then you can shrug it off. And the world doesn't end just because uh, you fight with someone else. I literally almost broke down in tears when I heard this, because the reality is the one unhappiness in my life is my utter fear of conflict. You notice I never bring a dispute to this court. I judge it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you see what I'm saying? And, it, and I think it's largely because I, I was disdainful even as a child of team sports. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. now honestly if you want to and I lacked all ritualized conflict in my life because I chose not I just chose not to run as it were do you know what I mean and so I I don't think that this kind of ritualized conflict has to happen uh, in the the guise of sports necessarily nor does it have to be ritualized conflict per se but situations in which children um, are and, and young people do have to get together, and collaborate on something, and and um, uh, and, and lose themselves in a larger project, uh, whether that is a, a game of uh, baseball or a, a, a camp style color war, not race war, uh, or or to some degree, uh, you know, a youth orchestra. You know, all of those things are really really valuable, and while I do think that a lot of the antisocial Uh, uh, stereotypes that surround nerds are just that stereotypes Um, I do feel like your baseline as a parent even a hypothetical one should be to um, uh, to give them the broadest possible array uh, of enthusiasms to choose and not immediately shuttle them into a single subject whether that single subject is calvin ball or soccer do you see what I mean and I think mm-hmm. I think what Christina described in this particular camp uh, is uh, is a broad is a broadening. So uh, that's my ruling. As you can tell, I, I I think a lot about it while talking. So I apologize for my long windedness. Uh, but I do find in the favor of Camp Vancouver over Camp Skidmore, um, and I want these kids to be able to name some ferns. If you had come up with one thing as cool as naming a sword fern. Alex, it may have been been different, but for for now, uh, this is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules. That is all.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Christina, you came out on tap. How are you feeling?
3: I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, although, you know, I think I think what the judge said at the very end was quite wise. And I think that I don't know, we'll, we'll have to play this to our children once they're born.
0: Well, Alex, Christina, thanks for joining us on Judge John Hodgman.
1: Thank, Thank you. You. <sighs> you. Want to have a sing-along? Um, right now I'm a little busy making this friendship bracelet, so mm, no, I don't think so. Uh,
0: well, we have to clear the docket. We can't get around that, so uh, why don't we take a look at what we've got here?
1: So, yeah, so let's let's hike up to the field, to the, oh. to the docket clear clearing Quonset hut. <laughs> that is a yerk. <laughs> you know that thing is haunted, don't you? <laughs>
0: Here's something from a licensed attorney who uh, posted a comment in our comments at MaximumFun.org about the Chevy case. Oh, yeah. Uh, He or she writes... In this podcast, you asked if someone who knows something about law could address the enforceability of the party's contract in a court of law. Your Honor may be pleased to know that the contract is valid and enforceable. The first week of law school definition of a contract is an offer, an acceptance, and something given in exchange by both sides. In this case, the offer was the purchase of the car in exchange for debt forgiveness. Hannah got a car, Patrick got debt forgiveness. Valid contract. Nevertheless, I do take exception to the court's ruling. Both sides should have lost on the grounds that they each owned a Camaro and neither knew about the song Bitchin' Camaro. Car proprietus es postulo C.O. Carmen Socius per sum car. I can tell that this guy's a
1: lawyer because it goes on for a long time. <laughs> also, I just got a bill for $500. <laughs> I'm very grateful that he Wrote in and confirmed that that was indeed a legal contract and that uh, uh, Hannah owned that Camaro uh, by law as well as by uh, uh, by the unwritten code of boyfriend girlfriend. So that's great, and uh, I also think that he should not worry too much about my ruling because if, if he will recall, I did rule that they should get rid of that Camaro that, that was no longer serviced either of them anymore, and they should get something else. And I agree with you. When I learned that they did not know that song, I was so upset. But I was able to finally get over it because uh, the ruling was, uh, was tweeted by the official Dead Milkmen Twitter account. <laughs> and whether that, did, whether that is owned and operated by, indeed, one of the original Dead Milkmen, I bet you it is, or not, I'm totally thrilled that they are now attuned to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Welcome aboard, Dead Milkmen. Judge Hodgman,
0: did you hear that one of our listeners, Alice, actually took your performance
1: of "Bitch and Camaro" and set it to music? Do you know what? I did hear that. Do you know why? The Dead Milkman Twitter account retweeted that too.
0: <laughs> Let's close out this episode with that. We'll, well, we have to clear out the docket right now, but we'll play the song that Alice recorded because it is just tremendous.
1: Fantastic. Stay tuned. But first, another here's something to be from Elise. Who is responsible for
0: cleaning the lint trap in the dryer? The owners of the clothes that created the lint or the person who is using the dryer after the lint creator? Assume in this scenario that the lint trap is visible when you are removing slash placing clothes in the dryer. My friend says the lint trap needs to be cleaned before each use for safety's sake. The contents of the lint trap are clean. The cleaning of the lint trap is a trivial act. If shared users clean the lint trap before using the dryer, everyone ends up cleaning the lint trap a fair number of times. For these reasons, it is indisputable that the proper time for checking and cleaning the lint trap is before using the dryer. I disagree. Who's right, Elise or her friend? Well, first of all, Elise,
1: you're very confusing. (laughs) because she chose to set out the entire case for her opposition and then just say, I disagree. Yeah, not only that, but you said, for these reasons, it is indisputable that the proper time for checking and cleaning the lint trap is before using the dryer. And then you disputed it. (laughs) I'm very confused. Here's what I'm going to say. Your friend is absolutely correct. That lint trap needs to be clean. I don't care who does it. Otherwise, you're going to have a fire. And not only is it going to burn all your clothes, it's going to burn all your neighbors and maybe you. Clean that lint trap. You know what'll make me feel better? If we heard that bitch and Camaro song that Alice recorded, are we, uh, is it time,
0: or do we have any? Do we have anything we need to discuss before we go? I just need to make sure that everybody submits a case at maximumfun.org/jjho. Ho. is easy. It is fun. You can come be on our show and become a minor internet celebrity. Extremely, extremely minor.
1: It does seem, it may look, don't be afraid. It may seem like I yell at you people uh, during the case, but uh, rest assured, when we're no longer on the podcast air, I still yell at you. But it's fun time yelling. <laughs> Just go to
0: MaximumFun.org slash JJ Ho. And uh, hey, let's, let's take a listen to this amazing recording that Alice made. Thanks, Alice. Thank you,
1: Alice. Oh, uh, hey, Jesse, what's happening? Oh, I don't know. A uh, rumor around town says I think you might be heading down to the shore. Yeah, I think I'm going down
0: to the shore. What are you going to do down there? I don't know, play some video games? Buy some Def Leppard t-shirts?
1: <laughs> okay, but the important thing now, Jesse, is that you ask me what kind of justice I'm going to dispense. Uh, what kind of justice are you going to dispense? Oh, you know, just some... Podcast Justice, Podcast Justice, I judge all my neighbors. Podcast Justice, Podcast Justice, now to the Amy Club Papers. Started doing Podcast Justice, no law degree in hand. Now I judge people in the USA and also in Portland. Podcast Justice, Podcast Justice, no blood marketing. Podcast Justice, Podcast Justice, just see, swear the in.
0: The Judge John Hodgman Podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at Forum.MaximumFun.org and our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the
2: Judge John Hodgman podcast.